0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at The Granary Church. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's so good. It makes me feel welcome. It's so good to be with you. If, you. if you don't know me, my name's John Crawford, and I'm just part of the team here at the Granary Church. And you'll have to excuse me this morning because I've got this sort of throat, this virus that's got a hold of me. I will not let go. So I'm gonna try and mute as many coughs out so that you're not deafened. You're welcome. Um, we have had a two week hiatus from looking at the Lord's Prayer, as you know, and so I, I get to dive back in today with the Lord's Prayer. And if you're not familiar with the Lord's Prayer, I mean, maybe you've heard it or seen it in a movie, or um, I believe I was told they still pray the Lord's Prayer in Parliament. Isn't that wonderful? And and the Lord's Prayer came out of as Jesus answered a question that the disciples, his followers that sort of hung around with him for three and a half years, they they saw that he did amazing miracles. They heard his incredible teaching, his deep wisdom. But the only thing they asked him, was not how did you turn water in the wine because that might have been the first thing that some of you would have asked but uh or maybe me as well i don't know uh, but how but they saw something about his prayer life and they went can you teach us to pray and so jesus said or gave them this model prayer The prayer as we prayed this morning can be prayed in about 20 seconds around about that but it's actually a framework and a model prayer that should shape our minds and shape our hearts And give us a framework from which we can do other prayers. So I'm going to do that right now. And uh, I'm going to pray like that. And then we'll launch into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, you are so incredible and awesome and holy. We are in awe of you. And we're asking that whatever's going on this morning in heaven that that would manifest in our lives here in this place, in this room, in this church. And we would see the power and the influence and the authority of your kingdom be evident in our lives. Father, we've all got needs. And we come this morning bringing those needs with us today, and we pray that uh, you would (laughs) fulfil them in your time, in your space. And in your way. Father, I pray you would protect us from the evil one. Keep us from the things that keep us from you. And then would you forgive us? Would you forgive us, Father, as you, I know you've done, but again, fresh today. Forgive us for the fact that we live lives like you don't exist sometimes. Forgive us for the thoughts and the things we've done and the Things we've said that are not of you, and help us to forgive those that have hurt us. And to that end, Father, we just give you all the glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. So I get to launch into the middle phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Strangely enough, it's where most of us probably. Uh, begin our prayers rather than have it halfway through and maybe even the reason why you began to pray because you needed something from God there was something there's some particular situation you're in and you're going I have no answer for this I've got no way through this I absolutely have no no idea how to fix this situation and so you pray my favorite prayer which is oh God help right anyone been in that situation before You've you've basically got to live like just a few years before you, where you feel like just going, Oh God, help, because I don't have an answer for this particular situation. And we find ourselves in those situations, they're impossible, they're hard to manage, they're they're difficult to get our heads around. And maybe uh, we just need help with a relationship, maybe with a friend and you just can't fix it and, and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's a financial situation. I've had plenty of those. Maybe it's a health issue like I've got at the moment and you go, oh, God, help me, give me strength. Maybe there's something at work and, and you've got you've to kind of work it through. But, you know, you just go, how do I fix this thing at work? I've got no answers. There's no precedence. There's no way through. And unfortunately, sometimes God seems to be the last port of call rather than the first and he wants us uh, to make him our first port of call so maybe that's your situation and maybe maybe um maybe you don't even you know believe in god and and, but still you may have got well if like i said there's a god in heaven can you please come and help there's an old saying that says there's no atheists in foxholes have you heard that before so, like, if you've got, if you're in a foxhole in a war and there's bullets coming around you and bombs being lobbed in your in your direction, and you're an atheist, it's sort of like, well, I just hope that there is a God up there because I can't get out of this and I'm likely to end up dead. And so, I think everyone has that situation where they feel like they need to lean into God and they need to ask for His help. Now, the other issue can be for us is that that we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've believed and we've sensed that God's going to do something because he kind of has to and he he hasn't answered your prayer he hasn't answered your prayer in the time frame he hasn't answered your prayer in the way you'd like it answered Uh, maybe it's come in a different form but you didn't want that that's kind (laughs) of that's kind of me sometimes I'm sort of like I thought I'd really ask for this but you've given me that you know and maybe for some of you, that's just been too much and you're kind of looking at the exit door of faith and you're thinking, I'm not sure, you know. I've been wrestling with God over these issues for days and weeks and months, maybe even years, and now I just feel like tapping out. And I just, I don't know, this, I've given this Christian thing a go and it just is not working for me, you know. It's like, the, you know, I've tried this product and I've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. Maybe I can get out of this and... Because it's just not working. And I think sometimes what it is, um, is that we have a different view of God, not, not the view of God that we should have, or he has actually shown himself to be to us. I think there's at least three views. You might have, uh, add four or five or six, I don't know, but let's just have a look at three different views of God. These three, I can just uh, sort of name because I've used all these three before. The first kind of view of God is that he's a safety net. So it's like, I'm going to do this for God, and and God, I'm going to do that. You know, I've I've got this exam coming up. I haven't studied because there's the night's final on this weekend. and It took up all my study time. But, Lord, I'm relying on you. I'm going into this exam believing that you are going to uh, help me to... Pass, not just pass. I want a really good pass, Lord, because I've got to get my GPA up so I can go on to the next. I mean, it's a safety. I'm going into this venture. It doesn't look wise. People have said, "Don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it." And but you know what? I just think I'm going to do it. And if you don't save me, God, like I'm going to hold you accountable. And God becomes this safety net for us, if we fail, the second view is that God is some sort of cosmic vending machine. Okay, so well, Lord, this week I've prayed most days, I've been to church twice this month, I put some money in the plate, uh, I haven't looked at my phone during the message, oh there was that time when it got a bit, anyway, uh, and you go through all these things you think make you a good person, and you think that God's going to go, yep, yeah, tick that box, tick that box, tick that box, and so God, you owe me, and uh, you know, I, I put my money into the machine, and I pushed sneakers, and you gave me an apple. It's just not fair, God, because Apple might be better for me, but Snickers is what I wanted. A whole message in that, I think, isn't there? And then there's a third sort of version. There's a sort of picture of God, and that is that he's the genie. You know, you rub the lamp, and he's, he has to do what you have to do, which basically puts you in the position of God. You become God because God then has to do what you tell him to do, and if he doesn't, well, I mean, he's in deep trouble, isn't he? And that's the kind of now I've used all those different views in not that raw and brutal, but I've used all those sorts of views myself in uh, in different times. And I don't know, God's just can be quite strange because sometimes He kind of answers those things. I don't know, I don't get it, but He just He's just gracious because He knows what I need. But God has not actually shown us to be a safety net, nor a cosmic vending machine, nor a genie. And that's why this verse about asking is placed in the middle of this prayer. You see, he actually tells us that he is a father. And I know as a father, I have not given everything to my kids. Have you? Mothers? Fathers? No. Because <laughs> some of them will probably be dead by now for we given them the things they actually ask for. Because we know better and so we begin this prayer by acknowledging that God is our father that he knows better than what we do he knows what we need and when we need it and what we don't need and then it says that he's not just a father he's a holy father and then we say well may your kingdom come may Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in other words we want what's going what you're interested in We want your power. We want you to rule and reign in our lives because that's what a kingdom's all about. If you're not sure what that actually means, it says when you come into God's kingdom, which if you're a child of God, you're part of His kingdom, then you get to live in this space where He says jump and we say how high. He rules and He reigns. He has the authority. He has the power. Thankfully, He's a gracious God. Um, He doesn't tell us to do things that, that we... Uh, that that he leaves us alone to do. He's always there to help us and to guide us and to empower us. We say all that, we we set up the scenario before we go, give us this day our daily bread. In the context of a loving father, a context of a powerful, amazing, awesome God, we say, now God, would you give us this day our daily bread? And so in the context of that, I, I think there's two key kingdom principles one's explicit that's right in your face and the other one's a little implicit but I want to unpack those this morning and uh, before I do that it might be helpful actually to have a think about what the listeners those the disciples who are uh, who heard this for the first time might be helpful to know what would have gone through their minds so for a start when the disciples first heard Jesus say, give us this day our, our daily bread, they probably first, well, there's a hand to mouth kind of situation. All of their bread every day was daily, right? So they realized that this is a daily reliance on food. They may not have even, they may have gone days when they didn't have any food, but more likely they would have cast their minds back to the stories that they would have heard growing up of their... Uh, their forefathers who went through the desert for 40 years and God provided them with bread. Every morning they'd come out and they'd find this stuff lying on the ground and you may have heard of the word manna, like manna from heaven, you may have heard that phrase. And this manna, the word manna literally means what the heck is this stuff? That's what it is. And they gather what the heck is this stuff and they take it and they grind it down they'd make bread out of it and it happened every single day. And so they would have thought this is something that God provides for us. Now, for us, our daily bread is in the freezer, yeah? So for us, it's not a big issue. We don't think, God, please give us our daily bread. We don't think of it like that. We think, well, we've got it in the freezer. So what does that actually mean for us? I think the first thing is that it's, it's daily We need to daily come to God, daily we need to ask Him and at least acknowledge that He is the giver of all good gifts. I think that's important. You might be saying, well, I don't need daily bread. Well, maybe that's the day you go, well, I thank you, God, because if I didn't have a job and I didn't have resources and I didn't have that, I I wouldn't have this daily bread. And you need to acknowledge that that's what you have. But maybe there's something during the day that's not do with food it might be to do with resources it might be to do with family it might be to do with work it might be to do with a whole bunch of things because basically it's saying we need god daily to provide for us every single day so this is a prayer i'd encourage us to pray every single day you're going to work or driving or just you know go through the prayer please help me I'm going to face some things I just can't, I don't know the answers, I don't have answers for, I don't have the resources for. I've got some emotional issues, Lord, that I just I can't handle at the moment. I need you. And I think that's the sort of prayer that God loves to listen to and loves to answer. But there's two key kingdom principles that I think we need to learn as we go through this prayer together. The first one is the principle of asking. Asking is a kingdom principle. And what that means is asking is just not an option. This is an expectation that Jesus has for us. He expects us to come and ask him for anything. One thing I know about my children, they, they don't have any drawbacks in coming to me and asking me for anything, especially my grandson at the moment. He just says, this is what I want to do. Give it to me, right? And that's what they're like with us. That's how we are to be with our Heavenly Father. We are to ask. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." In other words, this is principle. He said it in other places. Ask, ask us. Jesus' brother James says, you do not have because you do not ask. And you do not ask God. That's why you don't have things. He says, go to God first before you go to other people. And he says it this way. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That might be a reason why you don't get all your prayers answered because you are the centre of your asking. And it's a little bit more than just asking because I'm going to add an adverb to the beginning of that. There's actually a posture that we can have when we ask and that is that we can ask audaciously we can audaciously ask our Heavenly Father for anything. I haven't got the verse there, I don't think, but but Paul, a guy called Paul writes from a prison cell and he says that we, we can go into God's presence boldly, boldly, and ask what we need. So there's this boldness of or this audacity which is which has shown us in boldness it's not this rude audacity it's not brash it's not rude it's humble but it's bold because we are his kids and we can come into his his presence and so we can audaciously ask and uh, there's a, there's actually a story there's a parable that jesus tells us uh, to really to highlight the audacity that we can have going into god's presence but also, that we are to be persistent. That's another principle be persistent in prayer. And it's a, this story about this judge who's he's an unjust judge and he, um, he doesn't, he's not afraid of God, he's not afraid of people, he just doesn't care about anyone but himself. It's all about him. And there's this woman who wants justice from the judge and she keeps on going at him. She's going, no, nah, I'm not going to give you justice, I'm not going to give you justice, I'm not going to give you what you deserve or what you need. And she just keeps coming at him and to shut her up, he just says, all right, I'll give it to you just to, so the judge can have some relief. And basically, the judge is God saying, it's not like you're bugging God. I've got a mate who calls Christians God-botherers. Yeah, you heard that before? That's what he calls them. (laughs) It's the opposite. You can't bother God. It's not about bugging God. It's about being persistent in your prayer because when you're persistent, it shows that you trust him. But there's a little twist to the end of that parable because Jesus says this. He said, how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? In other words, he is looking for us to persistently ask. He's expecting us to ask him. And if you're like me, I can be a little reluctant in asking God for things. I start to try and work it out in my own head. I try and, you know, I look at my scenario and see what I can tweak here and tweak there. And God says, I no, just ask. Just come to me and ask. Come on, John. You know this. Come to me and ask and persevere asking as well. The other thing that I think we need to do in this area of ask is we need to ask specifically, we were in Alpha the other week, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this whole issue of prayer, and people were sharing, how they weren't sure they got answers to prayer. And um, I was in Angela McPherson's group, and she just said, oh, you've got to be specific when you pray. And I thought, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. You've got to be asked for exactly what it is that you need. And I told a story, It brought a story to memory that I had a number of years ago with, um, with our children, Uh, we had this old van. So we got four children. When you got four children, that instantly means a van, right? So the van that we had was actually costing more to fix than the van was worth. You put two tyres on it and the tyres were (laughs) worth more than the van. It was a bit of a, it was about to go. And so I remember setting them down and I don't suggest you do this I don't know whose idea. If it was a good idea, it was mine. If it wasn't, it was my wife's, all right? So anyway, we sat the kids down the forum. I think the eldest might have been, I don't know, maybe 12, 13, something like that, and meant the youngest was about six. We said, all right, kids, we're going to buy a van. We want to know what you want, and we're going to pray about it and ask God that he gives us this van. And so my eldest daughter pipes up first, and she said, well, I, I'd like a Mazda. And I went, oh, I don't know that Mazda's, mate. Vans, done. they might, I, but I don't know. Why do you want a Mazda? She goes, I like the sound of the name. <laughs> that was it. That's all she knew. And I said, okay. Um, I wrote down Mazda. What colour do you want? Oh, silver. You know, a little one goes, yeah, silver, silver, silver. So we go, okay, silver van. So put that down. And uh, what else do you want? Air conditioning, because air conditioning on the old van was like, can someone want out a window? That was air conditioning. So we want air conditioning. What else do you want? Power steering, because... Mum has really large forearms from trying to pull the car around with, because like it was a terrible car to drive. So I wanted, wanted that. And uh, how many seats do you want? Oh, eight. And the little one goes, no, nine. I went, I don't know if they make nine seaters, but I'm, all right, let's put down. Nine. So there's that. And there's a whole stack of things. Our oh, power windows was another one. So <laughs> they wrote down power windows, please, God, only in the front because they're going to be in the back going up and down. Right? So. I remember writing them down. We held hands, we prayed through every single thing. And then I went to my mate who buys cars. His name's Craig and he's bought lots of cars for us and he seeks them out. And and I said, uh, said, John, he goes, oh, it's that time, is it money? I went, yeah, yeah. He said, what are you after? I said, I'm after a Toyota Tarago. (laughs) Not a word of a lie. I, like Tarragos at the time were just like they're the best of and so on in, in what colour, don't care. What do you, you know? And so we went through a few details. I didn't really have a lot. I just wanted a Toyota Tarago. To this day, I still wanted the Toyota Tarago, but anyway. So two weeks later, he rings me up and he says, um, look, Tarago's on the market because people love them, they hold on to them, they just really love them. Uh, but we do have this other car. My wife, Sal, she's been driving around for a couple of weeks. She loves it, thinks it'll be a fit for you and your family. And I went, oh, what is it? He goes, it's a Mazda. <laughs> I went, oh, I didn't know they make, Mazdas made bands. He went, yeah, yeah, apparently they do. I said, what color is it? He goes, it's silver. <laughs> I went, uh-huh. What about the upholstery? That was the other thing, I wanted really nice upholstery because the other one had vinyl seats and they had cracks and the uncomfortable sitting cracks, and you know what I mean. Oh, it's got really nice velour seats and all this sort of stuff. Okay. Air conditioning? Yep. Power windows? <laughs> only in the front. <laughs> I was like, um, gear stick? And of course, the other one had a column shift. The gear stick was on the floor. I said, great. How many seats? And he went, eight. And, I, and he went, oh, no, there's nine. There's a, <laughs> there's a little dicky seat that goes in between the driver and the, and the, and the passenger, the front seat passenger. And he said, look, if you... Take it, come down, pick it up, drive for a couple of weeks. If you don't like it, bring it back and we'll go again. And I'm thinking, I really want a Tarago. I really (laughs) want a Tarago. But what can I say to my kids? Like everything, there's some other things. Everything they prayed for was in the car. I still marvel to to that this day. I mean, it still blows me away that God would be that specific and that gracious and that... Kind. I wish it asked for a three-litre because we struggled up some hills with a carlo, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay. God is good. The other thing, a little twist of that story as well, I took it to the insurance company, um, NERMA, N- and they said, what is it? I said, it's a Mazda van. They said, what, cor- what sort? I had no idea. He said, bring it in. We'll check it out. And uh, the guy, the assessor, went over the van, went under it, and he said, I have no idea what this car is. He'd never, he said, oh, I know my ears, I've never seen one. And he said, uh, We'll call it a traveller. So he put down, that's the traveller, guessed it, for it to be insured. And the funny thing is, if you look along the side of the car in a certain light, they had the sticker on the car that had been taken off, and you could see the words, Hiroshima Golf Course. <laughs> and so it was like God had gone to Japan, because it was a full import from Japan, he'd just gone, Yeah, that'll do. And went, plonk. (laughs) I'm not saying he did that, by the way, but maybe he did. I don't know. In my dreams, he probably did. God has a way of giving, especially kids for some reason, because he wants our kids, he wants us as kids to know that I love you and I hear your prayers and I'm just here for you. So that's the first principle. Audaciously ask, persevere in your prayer be bold ask specifically for god and i sense that that's something that some of us need to do this morning it's like ah oh, we leave asking god at the last minute make it the first moment the second principle is trust and it's totally trust this is implicit it's not you get don't get straight out of that passage it's it assumes that if you're going to ask god you got to trust that he's a loving father who hears your prayers and he cares for you and that he is able to do whatever you have in mind. So you need to totally, completely trust. There's there's two times in Scriptures, in the New Testament, that Jesus is completely gobsmacked, completely blown away. I didn't think Jesus would be surprised at anything, but there's two times, and they're around this area of trust, or if you will, faith, the two are very intricately linked. They're about faith and trust together. The other one was this situation where a Roman centurion came to him who had uh, a servant who was paralyzed and in great pain. He came to Jesus for Jesus to come along and to heal him. And Jesus sort of went, yep, straight away, got up to go. And the, the centurion stopped him. And this is what the centurion said. And I want you to kind you can almost hear the Lord's prayer coming through. It's almost like he has this innate understanding of the Lord's prayer as he speaks this out. He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, right? It's basically uh, Heavenly Father, holy is your name. It's just this understanding, innate understanding of who Jesus is. But it's just say the word. And my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he has this understanding of total trust and, I might add, authority that Christ has as the Son of God. He sees it, and this is Jesus' response. I love this. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. or oh, gobsmacked, my version. He was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So there it is, two key principles. Audaciously ask, totally trust. Now, For some of you, maybe most of you, at some stage this morning or in the last week or month, still wondering whether God's heard you and you're still wondering whether God's going to answer your prayer because God doesn't always answer the way that you would have him answer, basically because he's, he's God. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're just sort of like tapping your toes waiting for God to do something. I love this answer to that kind of question that uh, the pastor and author Tim Keller says. He says, God will always give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. That's, can we sit with that for a minute? If you knew what God knew, he would give you what you asked for because you'd ask for the right things. I'm going to risk a bit of extra time and tell a story very quickly. I had a business... Um, my brother and I had a business, we uh, worked a business, was doing well. We hit the recession we were told we had to have and we lost everything. We lost our business, we lost our homes, but we had genuinely, to this day, genuinely set this business up so that we could do ministry. I was hoping that we'd, I'd be able to do ministry and the business would support me in that way. And he had the same sort of heart and we shared our faith with so many customers and different people. Um, as they came into the business. And we started going backwards because people owed us a lot of money and then we owed people a lot of money. The usual way businesses crash and we ended up losing the lot. And we prayed fervently, God, you know why we've done this. We know why this has happened. You know, you, like, we, 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 you know what our hearts are as far as much as we know. Our hearts are pure towards you. And we still lost the lot. Our prayer wasn't answered. But here's what I do know: my brother's got a way better job than he would have had if he stayed in the business. And if I'd stayed doing that, I don't think I'd be doing this. God knew, because He knew what was ahead. I was hoping that it would work my way, and God had a different way of doing that. And I don't regret a single, single bit. Jesus Himself had that same experience. In fact, a writer in Hebrews reflects on Jesus on Jesus' own desire. He didn't want to go to the cross. I don't know if you ever knew that. He didn't want to go and be crucified. He wanted to try and avoid that. And then the writer, uh, guy who wrote in the book of Hebrews, he said, or it might have been a woman, but it says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. So he's screaming and crying to his heavenly Father who could save him. But this was his posture. He was heard because of his reverent submission. So when we come to God, reverent submission is essential. We just say, God, this is who you are, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask audaciously because I'm your kid. I'm going to totally trust that you know better than me. The truth of the whole thing is this: whether you get what you ask for or whether you don 't there 's a bigger issue at stake. You see, God wants us to look at the, the miracle that he, uh, he wants us to look past the miracle that he 's done in our life maybe you 've been sick and you've prayed for healing he 's healed you. He wants you to look past the miracle, praise God for the miracle, but past the miracle to the miracle worker. He, he wants you to look past the, the thing that he's provided to the one who's provided, past the, the, the person who's engineered a circumstance that you just didn't think could happen to the one who's the great engineer of all our circumstances. Jesus uh, had uh, did an amazing miracle, he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of fish and crossed over a river because they wanted to make him king. If you can feed 5,000 people with nothing, they're going to make it king, right? (laughs) They want him to do that. So he crossed over the the lake and then the people followed him round, and they followed him round simply because they wanted him to do another miracle, which is basically feed me, feed me, right? And Jesus said to that or answered that, you recognise that, he called it for what it was and he said an amazing thing, an audacious thing himself. He said, I am The bread of life. I am the bread of life. You want bread for your body. Go past that. You need something more. You need me. With a van, vans come and vans go. We've had a few cars since then, and my kids have all got their own cars. In fact, one of them went looking for a car yesterday for a new car. So the Cars come and go. What God wanted for us and for our children and my wife and I is to look past the provision to the one who provides. So this morning, if you're looking, if you're asking, if you're seeking and you want God to answer something in your life that you just have no control over, He wants you to look to Him. He wants wants you to see Him as greater than your issue. He wants you to see Him as bigger than your problem, and to lean into him completely and totally. Audaciously ask, totally trust, believe that God's going to hear you and answer your prayer. So let's bow our heads for a moment. Team can come up. There's a whole bunch of people in here on different, we're all on different parts of our journey, Father. I want to speak particularly to people, first up, who have not yet made a decision for you. Um, they haven't been in a place where they could audaciously ask you to be the forgiver of all their sin and the leader of, your, of their life. And they feel like they're holding something back because they just can't like totally trust that you have all that they need and you are all that they need. So if that's you this morning, you're going, I think, I think today might be the day that I want to give my life completely to Christ, then just say me too at the end of this prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to honor you. I want to thank you that you've been patient with me. But today I want to ask audaciously that you would make me a child of yours, that I could come into your kingdom. You forgive me from. Everything I've done for living life like you don't exist as we prayed before. And today I want you to forgive me and become the leader of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And that's you today Just say, me too, that's it, I'm in. That might be the first time you've done it. For others, uh, maybe you've been treating God like a, a bit of a vending machine or a safety net. And you're expecting him to do your bidding. You're expecting him to bless whatever you're doing rather than you do what he's actually blessing. Today you might need to just confess that and say, Lord, I, I need I need to say sorry. I want to readjust my, my walk with you. And for others, you just might have an issue that you can't see your way forward with. Maybe it's relational, financial, vocational, might be um, physical, it could be emotional, it could be a whole bunch of different things, Father. We're just saying, please, would you sustain us and heal us and bring about what needs to happen for the glory of your name and the extension of what you are doing in this place. We give you all the glory in that. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week. Thank you.